This episode of File Underwater is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Your source, source, for supporting your favorite podcast network and all their silly little vanity projects. Love you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to File Underwater, the show where we try to convince you that R.E.M. is America's greatest rock band. And this week we are talking about Life's Rich Pageant. Yeah, I'm excited. Me too. Um, this was this was a huge breakthrough. This was the biggest commercial success they had had so far. Their first gold album. Yeah, which is uh, which is true of like you know, most of their records. Like all of their records sold more than the last one. But right. this was a big one. Uh, um, and the next one's going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. And the next one, there's just going to be a continuing series of plateaus. And tell about monster, <laughs> uh, which was big, but you know less you know commercially successful. And then then we'll talk about it. Yeah. But we are we are in the plateauing, you know, plateauing phase firmly. Yes. Um. Yeah. 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 And uh, for a long time, this was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is this is a, this is a wonderful record. Yeah. Um. Like this is this is really good. I have some issues with it, and we'll we'll talk about that. Uh. But that is me going back to it with like super rose tinted glasses. <laughs> You know, just being like, man, life's such a pageant, dude. Yeah. Uh, and then and then coming back and being like, I'm like, the second half of this album's not very good. And like, <laughs> there's, you know, there's a, a it's weird because we, we, I mean, we'll, we'll get into all of it yeah. um, as it comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you remember last last time when we talked about Fables of the Reconstruction, they had a little bit of a uh, little bit of personnel shakeup. They had a different producer and uh, and John Boyd. Uh, and they, they they changed up again too. Um, mm-hmm. They they started working with um, a producer who had previously worked with uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, um, Don Gaiman or Ga- Gaiman. I'm not sure how to yeah, pronounce that. Probably Gaiman. Yeah, uh, um, yeah Don Gaiman. Um, and uh, instead of recording over in London, they decided to record in Belmont, Indiana, over over by Bloomington, uh, kind of near where I'm at. Yeah, Bloomington, Indiana is great. Yeah, that's like a really cool town. So the place of the American sexual revolution. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry. It's the, the Kinsey Institute. Oh, okay. Is yeah. there. So yeah. Birthplace place of the American sexual revolution. Mm, old man. Kinsey. Um, yeah. Old, old man, old man Kinsey scale. <laughs> that's, that's, we'll, we'll start calling that for when we get to the dark, weird REM songs is how they rate on the old man Kinsey scale. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then that guy from Shawshank Redemption comes out and jerks off in four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Brooks was here. Yeah, yeah he just thumbs uh, ah, onto a pattern that says Brooks How did here. you come on the? How did you come on the roof beam? Like, listen, old man Kenzie wants to become a stunt comer. <laughs> first, he's got to learn to jelk. His nickname was Frosting Bag. Yeah, <laughs> Gary, what's happening? What are we? I don't doing? know. I, I just I, I hadn't thought about uh, that that movie in a while. Oh yeah, and, you know, and, and then just uh, yeah um serendipity the um so they they sought this guy out like when they decided to do it this guy who was like the producer for john cougar fucking melon camp which yeah. is like in my mind is really emblematic of a kind of super lame 
American rock band. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, I mean, this is the guy who produced ROCK on the USA. Yeah. <laughs> like, which, you know, it not, but they, you know, again, uh, you know, they liked those records. Like these have like really big and they aren't uh, like the shittiest like rock and roll sounds. No, you know, they could be. It's just like a big everything is big and clean in the mix, mm-hmm. like arena rock. Yeah. Uh, and that's like what they wanted, you know, like and it's just kind of weird. Like this, it sounds like I'm on the verge of being like my, you know, my favorite band sold out. And I don't think it's a sellout thing. No, um, I just think it is a weird artistic choice to make this thing that is super polished up and clean. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it so. was internal backlash too. They, they they were so displeased with uh, with fables of the reconstruction that I could see them, you know, potentially overcorrecting into something else. You know, I think possibly, I think that's really what it is. Yeah, you know, it's it's them, you know, them being like, hey, well, let's never do that again. And like, <laughs> it kind of bums me out because that album, as we mentioned last time, I like a lot. Yeah, and I like I like a warts and all product, generally. Right. And I think that this album actually has a lot of flaws that don't, you know that are different, you know, they're not production wise. Like the, right. while concentrating on that aspect, they missed a couple other things. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it's weird to read about too. Cause they were like hanging out with John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah. Like John Cougar Mellencamp, <laughs> the John Cougar Mellencamp was like taking them around to like, uh, parties and stuff. Yeah. Just like you know? sh- showing them the Bloomington scene. That's weird. You know, <laughs> but it, it's a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, and they, they really liked the, the experience where like the guy, uh, Gemin, was super professional, would spend a lot of time and kind of coax them into being a band that they didn't, it sounded like they were open to being, but like it didn't come naturally for them at all. No, no. Spend forever on the drums. Like Stipe got really frustrated with him. He would question Stipe about lyrics. Yes. Um, like I read a bunch of things about Stipe, like leaving the studio with him being like, <laughs> what do you mean by this? Why would you say this? Yeah, like what, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? And, and him just being like, and, and I think that's actually like, like album suffers for that. Yeah. You know, like it, it's, um, the, uh, uh, and he didn't like, um, working long days, No, which I love. Like he'd be like, yeah, we're done after like six hours. And they yep. were like, this is great. Yep. Cause I'm not tired. I don't feel like shit. Whereas yeah. before they'd be like, let's record for 20 hours in, in mid teacher's garage yeah, and just get this done as soon as possible. Cause if we stop, we'll die. Right. You know? And, 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 and this is like, oh no, we're adults and we can have a day, you know, these can be day job hours. Yeah. Um, you know? and so even though, even, even though Gemin would not, uh, end up working, uh, with them in the future, really, like it, it just, they never lined up again because he was very, uh, very busy as a producer and REM was not so big on things like planning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they learned a lot from him. They learned, they learned studio production tricks and how to mic individual instruments, um, and just kind of how to, uh, coax out the, uh, the, 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 the real hook of the song that they were trying to do, you know, that, that, that they were trying to make, you know, and, and specifically how to like kind of not directly mic instruments. Right. Like one of the things that comes through in the sound in this, that I really, uh, you know, that is a good lesson to learn, you know, um, as someone who has spent a minor amount of time in a recording studio, uh, is like getting room sound. Right. So like there's an anecdote where Peter Buck is specifically saying like, no, I just, you know, you put the mic up next to the amp. Yeah. Cause that's what you, you know? do when you, when we, that's what we do when we're live. Yeah. When you want to record an amp, you put the mic next to it. And then this guy can be like, no, no, what <laughs> if, you know, what if you get a little bit of the room sound and put the microphone a little bit back and like, listen, how this sounds, you're going to get natural kind of reverb as opposed to in it. It does make, you know, the actual sound of the instruments, like this is a big, very clean record, mm-hmm. uh, but it does sound, you know, it sounds pretty good. It sounds, like it sounds accessible. Yeah. yeah, it sounds lived in and accessible, but not so slick as to be, you know, overly like it doesn't sound like that's my big problem with like reveal is like reveal sounds too produced. 
Yeah. This isn't that. It just sounds like every instrument is big and, and crisp. <laughs> Reveals the mannequin. It has no pores. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. It's it's a it's a ghost in the shell. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. This is. And then, yeah, and this isn't like uh, it's, I have a similar problem. Uh, it's it's a fantastic album, but uh, but never mind. Um, has a, has a lot of that like a very shiny production that doesn't fit the band very well. Yeah, um, yeah. this uh, it, it definitely feels like it's complimentary. Yeah, um, it does it does it does pretty well. And the band at this point, like personally and kind of in the studio, are really like kind of happy go lucky. Yep. <laughs> like they 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 like working. They like working six hour days. They like not being in Europe. Um, they still were doing like tour. They did a tour for this. Yeah. Um, but they, they just felt better. Um, and it kind of like, you know, all the anecdotes like, yeah, this was really easy and positive and good. Yeah. You know, like getting the sound took a little while, but we felt good. And that kind of comes through too, in a way that I don't always think is the album's credit because there is like a, a lightheartedness to this that I think kind of hurts it <laughs> at the points. Yeah, because uh, it it is good to know that they're having fun, but it, at a certain point it becomes insubstantial. But I will I, yes. will, I will die on the Superman Hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know like as a closer, I don't know, man. I can't. I, I like Superman. It's hard for me to die on that hill. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a good song. As, yeah. as a non like such a perfect B side though. Like. <laughs> It's uh, it is so slight to be a closer, and both the sides close with <laughs> with, with novelty children's stuff. music. Yeah, um, you know, and 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 the big thing, and we'll get to this when we talk about the B sides, but they didn't, um, you know, they recorded a lot of material for this, mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of demos. A lot of them, there is a feeling of like a little bit of lack of inspiration to me. Yeah, because a lot of those demos and stuff were old songs. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are more demos for this, more outtakes, but a lot of them are like from their very early days. And I just had the sense of it's like you guys needed to spend a little bit like write some more songs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this, this just you guys just need to write a couple more songs and this would have been a little bit stronger and you wouldn't have had this milky second half. Yeah. Um, and some of the and some of those demos are excellent. Yeah. Like would have been really needed to be on the album. And I think that's a, a thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll get into that yeah. as well. But for, for as much this for as much as this has kind of the um, chaotic energy of a reckoning, it doesn't have the inspiration behind it. Uh, that's at, what at I a lot yeah. Of times. Yeah. That's what I think, too. And and it, it run listening to this album is a lot like sitting in a bathtub while it slowly drains. <laughs> like it is like really really strong, mm-hmm. and then just gets kind of weaker as you go. Yeah. Like even you know Superman is a good song. You know it ends on kind of an up note, but the second half is full of kind of like middle of the road REM songs. I think are on the wrong side of the you know good or bad thing. Like as opposed yeah, to yeah. B minuses, some like C pluses. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and it bums me out. Yeah. Because it opens so strong, which of course we'll get to. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a very political album, um, and it's very directly political. Um, probably yes. again because of uh, because of Gaiman's coaching, but also because Stipe was getting more confident in uh, in taking a stance and writing about stuff. Like in earlier in earlier interviews, he uh, said like Yeah, if musicians want to be political, they should do it off the stage." Um, and he, uh, starting with kind of the previous album, um, and green grow the rushes started doing like a course correct on that. And by the time this came, by the time this came out, like a lot of this is about, um, his relationship with like being the voice of a generation. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he kind of came around on this idea of having, and this is something that I'm sympathetic to, mm-hmm. um, not only like, it's not something it's weird because I'm sympathetic to him as a person doing this and politically, I'm very much in line with his beliefs. Right. It just makes for songs. I like a little bit less, mm-hmm. but like he's come around on this idea that I've also come around on where I'm like, if you have a voice, you have a responsibility to use it for good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, and when, when I was younger, like I used to always think that like, like charity is meaningless, meaningless if it's not anonymous, you right. know? And then like I got older and I'm like, Oh, like duck spring exists. Yeah. You know, like if, if, if we didn't do that, then this other thing wouldn't happen. Right. You know? So it's like, it's not about our ego. It's about how can you do the most concrete good? And sometimes that involves literally saying like, Hey, you like me for X <laughs> do Y, yeah. you know? And, and they, at this time, like they were like getting, they were super involved in local politics and they still are. And we're like, this is when he started getting people like elected yeah. for things like he, uh, uh, fall on me. The, the single from this and one of the best like REM songs ever, yeah. um, was his background music for campaign ads. He did it on the college <laughs> radio yeah. to get like progressive candidates elected in Athens, Georgia. Like he's like realized like, Hey, you know, I have this power. It, it's not just hedonism. It's like, I can actually change the world with this just by, you know, with my tastes yeah. and, and with my, you know, and, and that's, that's a cool thing. That's not something yeah. to be shit on even though i think the lyrics to this make worse songs with how direct they are right um, and he also had a partner in that with Burtis downs you know mm -hmm. eventually downs will become their manager but he's always been their legal counsel uh going you know back to the going back to the, the murmur days um but you know using his knowledge of law and just the local politics Burtis downs was able to help him be more effective in you know kind of like calling his shots for how to put this together so it was yeah. like really uh, a really good pairing, a really good team up. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, the title comes from uh, the Pink Panther, the sequel to the Pink Panther movie called A Shot in the Dark. Such a good where, movie. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've never seen it. Yeah. I like the idea of the, the, the shot there, or the, the scene though, mm -hmm. where like uh, he's he's coming out of a lake. He falls into a lake <laughs> yeah. uh, and comes out and somebody says something to him. And he's like, yeah. no, no, this is all part of. Do you have the do you have the lyric directly? Uh, it's uh, it's it's the, something like, oh, you, you need to take off this wet clothes. You're going to catch your catch your death of pneumonia. Um, and Clouseau says, ah, well, doesn't matter if I do, uh, it's all part of life's rich, life's rich pageant. Yeah. yeah. Which became an in joke with the band during this tour. So like when the sound guy wouldn't show up or like a speaker <laughs> would blow, they would say, well, that's all just part of life's rich pageant. It was their version of, so it goes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so you're going to notice there's no apostrophe in life's, uh, rich pageant. Uh, it's like a children's hospital kind of thing. Um, and, uh, that is because of a band super of the band superstition. This has popped up before, but they do not like apostrophes, uh, to loosely quote Peter Buck or Michael Stipe. No great rock album has ever had an apostrophe in the title. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this, you'll, we'll see that we didn't call it out every time it happened before this, but it happened, uh, in any song that would have had an apostrophe. Yes. Previous to this. Um, they, uh, they kind of ditched, um, the instrumentation that was not, you know, kind of their standard stuff in favor of this old pump organ yeah. that they had. Um, and it's on every track actually. Um, it's a lot of times it's pretty buried in the mix, but it's there. Yeah. Um, except for Swan, Swan H, yeah. uh, speaking of pretentious song naming <laughs> conventions. Um, <laughs> and that pump organ was also part of this. Hey, everything happened so easy. They said, Hey, we would love to have some organ on this. And then, um, uh, Gaiman said, well, I might know where to get one. And they literally just like dusted one off from a, from a warehouse in town and brought it in. Like everything just kind of fell into their laps logistically for this. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, you know, and that's, uh, that's good for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good, good luck is, is okay. Yeah. Um, so the, the record itself and um, the cover is a picture of uh, Bill Barry which I love because you get his eyebrows, his uh, best eyebrows. Yes. Best his, eyebrows and rock His iconic topiary. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> yep. But that's just the, the, the top half is just his, you know, eyebrows, eyes, and uh, part of his nose. Um, and the bottom part, uh, is some, is, is some bison. Get it, mm -hmm. get it. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. Because um, everything's a joke. Uh, the sides are named Dinner and Supper Side because <laughs> we're a bunch of goofy Southern weirdos, yeah. and we like fun. And yeah, uh, <laughs> no. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I am so ambivalent about that because on one hand, I think that is that that is clever in its way, but it's also, you know, Wendell G. Shucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's cute. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's just it's a preponderance of cuteness. Yeah. That does it. You know, it's just it's it's not just one cute thing. Yeah, this is before they would get to stand. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Which like I like stand too, but yeah. that whole album isn't full of like super cutesy things. Yeah. You know, it's it's a one cutesy thing. What um reminds me uh my uh, friend will uh, former houseway will um was defending on twitter he was talking about the scene in indiana jones 4 where indiana jones gets in the fridge to protect himself from the nuclear blast okay and he was like saying like it's stupid that people call that out as like the ridiculous thing you know because it's like it would be it's kind of like a, him getting out of a, a tough situation it's what he always does you know it's pretty in line with indiana jones and like uh regardless of that like i think that the reason why that stands out is because like that whole movie is full of shit like that yeah yeah so taking an aggregate like it kind of like becomes too silly yeah it's, you know, it's a, not it's... like one individual element so like you know uh, uh underneath the bunker on its own <laughs> great uh <laughs> you know but just the, this wave of silliness yeah yeah. I, I mean, and, and <laughs> you're right. Like that movie is 80% monkey attacks and this yeah. album is 80% baboons to the left of me, baboons to the right. The, 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 um, the, the part in crystal skull where the monkey attack part where Shia LaBeouf is swinging on monkeys and the other monkeys look over and they're like, you know what? This guy's got a good idea. Let's go with him. <laughs> is one of my least favorite things ever committed to film. Like I, I, I fucking hate that. I think it's so stupid. Like Shia LaBeouf and the monkey brigade coming to the rescue, I think is so bad and dumb. Yep. I, this, I, I just, it is a crime. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, the, the the album listing on the back of the album or the track listing on the back of the album is incorrect and they've never fixed it. Uh, yeah. So who knows how intentional it was? They just kind of leaned into it. So the tracks are out of order or they're left off entirely, as is the case with uh, Underneath the Bunker and uh, and Superman, uh, both of which yeah. are kind of treated as uh, bonus tracks, unlisted tracks. Yeah. And and we're kind of last minute additions yeah. uh, to, to their sequencing. Yep. Yeah. And this was like we like we mentioned, this is the first gold record. So they got some success. They kind of eked it out. But, you know, something that's notable, we've never really called this out like the not the next album, because that's going to be Death Letter Office. But when we get when we get to document, they're going to have number one singles. They've never yes. had a single that charted. Yes. Even though Fall on Me should have. Yeah. Um, sadly, did not. Um, yeah. What's, uh, what's the band doing around this time? Well, um, the book that I read again, I'm reading, uh, um, either it's a perfect circle or, uh, um, remarks remembered. Um, mm-hmm. it has a short little bit about uh, a documentary that was being made at the time that I was not able to find. Uh, it's called Athens, Georgia inside out inside mm-hmm. slash out. Um, and it's kind of like them trying to document this Athens social scene and, you know, kind of, in line with everybody not really liking rem there anymore because they because they made it good uh people think that rem uh hijacked it because you yeah i came back like you can't talk about athens without talking about them and people thought that uh um they skewed the coverage or what have you just shitty scene politics yeah yeah and it did you know it did mean that like a lot of the smaller bands probably got a little bit less airtime yeah uh there and this uh, this was something that was an early um 120 minutes mm-hmm. uh, on mtv they would show this uh, kind of in multiple parts. And uh, there are a couple of promotional videos that come from it of uh, live REM performances nice. from this. I think in the original notes I sent you, I 
had the video for for Swan Swan H as uh, a music video, but that's actually from Athens uh, Inside Out. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, that, that is not an official video. That's from this documentary. Nice. Um, it's them recording in this weird like old church. So uh, and there's you know all our all our old favorites on there. So you get some Love Tractor and Beef and User and, and stuff in there. Of course. Um, they are being goofy party weirdos uh, <laughs> during this time. Um, you know, so they were kind of leaning to this rock star kind of like I can don't have to be truthful or genuine in my daily life because I'm, it's a performance, you know, yeah. um, and they just because they thought it was funny, <laughs> uh, you know, so they uh, Michael Stipe, you know, who was kind of in these parties and was not able to. Uh, this is actually the beginning of when he starts kind of separating himself from the band socially. Yes. Um, in a weird way. So they would still end up at these kind of parties together. Um, but he didn't really fit in. Like he would like, there's stories uh, where he would get kind of bored. These were in my books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pretend to faint. Um, <laughs> like and then ostentatiously like, Oh, uh, you know, and, then, and Peter Buck would be like, okay, I'm sorry. Like I got to go and drag him out. <laughs> um, and then they would just leave and go to a different party. Right. Um, very specifically, they brought um, during the pageantry tour, they brought, um, I can't remember the lady's name is escaping me, but like at some point, Michael Stipe was just kind of like, yeah, I'm hanging out with these in this tour bus like all the time. I can't really handle it and started traveling in a separate car. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He the uh, tours. It, it was for the uh, for the document tour, actually. Yeah. Uh, and supported um, that like leading up to it. Uh, it's when he, uh, he started riding with that Natalie Merchant. Actually, he had uh, his, a separate tour bus. Different, uh, different thing. Oh, um, okay. this, uh, this happened before this. This was like a fan, a fan friend oh, we wow. rode with during the pageantry tour. Yeah. Um, so this was a separate tour bus. It was just like this. This lady was just following R.E.M. like a groupie. Yeah. And he was like, I would rather hang out with you guys. Yeah. There's a, a kind of a cute anecdote of um, the first time this happened. Um, Bill Barry found the lady. I, and I feel bad for forgetting her name, but he found her and like cornered her. And was like, hey, you're, you're really going to do this, right? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, OK, what do you do if something bad happens? Like quizzing her. And she's like, uh, you mean if the car breaks down? He's like, yeah, what do you do? And she's like. Um, I get a tow truck and make sure he gets to the show no matter what. And he's like, okay. And then like left, like they were really nervous about letting this kind of like flaky weirdo out of their sight, <laughs> right. um, you know, who is they're just like, yeah, cause he won't do it. Like you have to make sure you do this. Yeah. Um, but it's not like a division in the band. It was just kind of like, you know, three kind of partying rock dudes. And then mm-hmm. Michael Stipe who wanted to do weirdo art shit yeah. on the side. So there, there is this kind of like, he's always been a little bit of a separate piece. Right, yeah. The the, the 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 tour bus is way too much beer swilling, whereas he was over there with his absinthe fork, uh, kind of yeah. flinging, flinging paint at canvases. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. So um, that, <laughs> that that was the thing there. Stipe was also, uh, uh, like, like we said, going around doing these uh, do, doing these local politician things, um, but they were also able to take time off, which is mm-hmm. which is kind of strange. Like they've they've never really done that, so they all had their own their own projects that they went to. So like Stipe went and recorded with the golden Palominos, which I'm sure we're going to talk about next, next episode on dead, Le- dead letter office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, which is that uh, he did some live vocals. They also produced some things. Mike Mills produced some local bands, things like that. There's a quote, um, from one of the guys, I think it is a guy who is in uh camper on Beethoven who's talking about in the oral history about, he's like, I love REM and I've never liked anything they've produced <laughs> like, like anything they, uh, you know, but they, they did talk about their kind of production styles being really different. Okay. Um, where like, uh, when Mike Mills or, or, uh, Bill Barry would get involved in something, it was very technical, you know, and would talk about arrangements and kind of like help them massage the songs. And Peter Buck kind of like would let them, you know, just kind of like record 
you know, mm-hmm. like let them do what they wanted to do and it's kind of hands off. And Michael Stipe didn't know anything about this shit, but he would be a producer, like come in and quote unquote produce people's stuff mm-hmm. and just kind of cheerlead. Yeah, like more, he would more come like, a, like, 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 like a taste coach or something. Yeah, yeah, like you're doing great. You know, yeah. just like I like you, keep doing, keep doing it, keep doing it. Um, so it, it's kind of, it's, you know, interesting to see how their personalities reflect everything they do. It's not just the music or, or anything. It's also the kind of music they, they like and, and produce. Um, I want to find the Feelies album. Mm-hmm. that peter buck recorded because i like the feelies hmm. i've never uh, heard the feelies are good um they're good yeah. the uh it is a cool weird 80s college rock band yeah and uh and they're neat <laughs> but, uh, but but he did that uh i think a, a, a parent passed away and also he uh ended a long-term relationship so like to keep himself busy he just went and he went back to work at the wuxtry uh record shop uh, and yeah. he, he didn't take a salary. He was just like, Hey, I'm going to just, just, just pay me in vinyl. Let me take, let me take some of this. And it like, it kind of came across like an ego move. Like he set up yeah. there and then just spend most of his time talking to REM fans. Yeah. And they eventually had to stop because it was, he wasn't getting anything done. Like there were just people yeah. would show up kind of tourist <laughs> there. Right. Um, the, the pageantry tour was almost exclusively America, right. um, which is like they saved money doing this. And then they also don't like touring Europe. Right. Um, uh, so they're trying to, to get out of that. Um, I found a live show from my hometown, uh, from the Chick Evans Fieldhouse in DeKalb, Illinois. Yeah. And I don't, I don't send this to you, but one of the things that's interesting is the guy who wrote Superman uh, is at that show, and they bring him up on stage to sing Superman. Oh, I read about that. Yeah, I saw, yeah. I saw DeKalb mentioned in my, uh, in my book, and I, and I made a note of it, but I didn't draw the connection. It's uh, the guy is real. He's he's playing tambourine while he sings. He looks a little bit like uh, Piers Morgan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it's very weird. It's just, <laughs> and he's just kind of dancing like a dork singing the song in rem and and he's in the oral history book and he loved that they covered it yeah like it's really cute like he's just like yeah i love this and i love that this is happening this is so great <laughs> right yeah um but yeah it's cool that they showed up in DeKalb because i mean it's it's a it's near chicago but it's not a huge town in, of, in and of itself yeah oh it's an incredibly small town yeah like it's super small it's really weird but they did a lot of colleges you know at the at this time yeah so yeah, and so there there are live shows. You can find them on Apple Music, or you can uh, see them on on YouTube. Something that I noticed because of the way the album is produced as this very clean representation of the instruments themselves, uh, the live versions don't actually differ much in arrangement or approach from what I've no. from, from what I was able to see. Yeah, I, I, yeah, not not too much. Yeah, um, yeah which which is, again is fine. Yeah. You know, um, the nice thing about the there's actually two reissues of this. There's one that has only a couple of extra tracks and a live show, yeah. which, again, is kind of just for completeness only. The most recent one, uh, I think it's the 25th anniversary one, has about a thousand outtakes and really weird demo versions. It's like and, a 29, a 29 track album. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's great. And that's yeah. really worth listening to because there's a lot revealed in uh, comparing the, the demo and live version or demo and recorded versions. Mm hmm of things much more than there are uh comparing the live and recorded versions yes um and it kind of sucks because uh later rem albums kind of stopped getting this treatment this like outtake heavy treatment yeah a lot of those reissues do just have a live show as the second side uh, or the second disc mm-hmm. and uh you know that's cool but it, it's it's not as revealing yeah um you know i i i, I live for the the outtakes are a big part of why i've really enjoyed doing this show mm-hmm. is finding weird songs i didn't know existed and just the stuff that fell through the cracks but like that that would show where they were at at the time like okay this didn't make it but this other thing did what it like what possibly could have informed that decision yeah yeah um they were doing a lot of the same when they were doing live things they were doing a lot of the same covers that uh they had done on the last tour mm-hmm. you know again kind of maybe speaking to that kind of lack of 
kind of like growth in that sense. Yeah. You know, that sounds like too much, but the same way that I feel like I wish they had written more songs before doing this, um, or like at least chose different songs from the ones they'd written. But, yeah. you know, going back and, and recording all the right friends and things like that. Um, but they, they, you know, they covered, um, have you ever seen the rain that the CCR song, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the songs that they covered on this are on the live show that we recorded included in the fables, yes. uh, episodes. So go back to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you want to begin? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's begin. Let's begin. Yeah. Let's have uh, dinner. I love, yeah, let's, let's, so starting on dinner. Um, I love this song so goddamn much. Begin the begin is an amazing opener. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is real, real good. <laughs> um, the, the first, this is the, the first, I'd say, I'm going to say four songs on this mm-hmm. record. Like the, the whole first side of this is so a plus and good. Yeah. Um, but, and it continues for a long time, like yeah. kind of the quality I like, uh, these days a little bit more than I like begin the begin. Okay. But begin the begin is excellent. The thing that I love about begin the begin is it is so from outer space when it comes to the structure. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got a chorus that they repeat twice, but <laughs> <laughs> like it's got a rip like it's yeah. got this little you know silly new vegas riff yeah that that's that 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 that's like the only consistent thing aside from aside from this four this four line chorus that they go to everything else is just bridge almost there's no mm. there's no real verse structure to it but it, it's it's driven it's not meandering whatsoever like it is just this stream of consciousness kind of you know just a, a approach to this unapologetic rock song that is that is fantastic Mm -hmm. yeah it's got these real kind of uh military like drums Mm -hmm. kind of thing to it not quite like a march but this you know uh the the drums have this real drive sound to them you know there's this like real uh uh i almost said you too and i don't want to because i don't like (laughs) because i don't like you too that much but it reminds me a little bit of of like a u2 thing yeah um and i don't say that to be damning Right. Um, but it's got it's got a lot of background backbone to it. It's a lot of uh, it's a very strong song. Yeah. Um, like and I think lyrically, the, it's a it's like a pump up song. It's like a protest kind of thing. Like it just very indistinctly pushing somebody to like be activist. Like, yeah. hey, you know, like the like the, the the time is now the insurgency began and we missed it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and the the uh, the lyrics are not so direct like i like the next song more but the songs and the or the lyrics in the next song are a little bit too direct for me mm-hmm. this they're at least a little bit a little bit weird especially this kind of breakdown part which is probably my favorite part oh it's great <laughs> which is uh which is really really good and again becomes kind of confessional and self-referential yeah in the middle in the middle of it um where he kind of starts kind of like uh it's, it's like speak singing like you've got it in the nose is rapping it's not it's kind of like a. He, it's like rapping the same way, like Fred Snyder, like ah, you know, he's, yeah. he's up at the top he, of his. He uh, he he, br- he breaks meter in this. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's it, it doesn't scan just like it just like it normally would. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it becomes very percussive. So I guess it is kind of rapping because it, it breaks meter, but then he starts landing on the beat where he's like, you know, I can't think. Like it's very like emphasized. Yeah, you know? yeah, can't think clearly. Uh, I looked. Uh, uh, look to me for reason. It's not there. I can't even rhyme. Begin the begin. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, p- picture um, a a sixteen and a half year old Cole in his uh, shitty nineteen ninety five Pontiac Grand Am, uh, listening to this on full blast uh, when the heater wouldn't work and the inside of the of the of the windshield was uh, was completely frosted over. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to this on my way to school is like a pump up jam. Like fuck yeah, we're gonna make today happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. 
um, <clears throat> it is uh, uh, it is a really good pump up song. Like yeah. this is this is a great song. This this kind of one two punch that this does is is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this was uh, the the kind of standard closer uh, for for goofy irony reasons. Of course, <laughs> um, you know during uh, the large section of this uh, this tour. Yeah, yeah, yep. way into it. Um, I, I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, um, tell me, this, why, tell me why you like these days. Um, it's blisteringly fast. Yes. Um, it is, you know, again, super, super, uh, super, super urgent. Um, the kind of guitar, the distorted guitar in the beginning of it, like when people are like, you didn't think REM could rock. <laughs> um, I think legitimately sounds like big and rocky in a way that doesn't sound dated mm-hmm. like at all. Yeah. Um, that kind of like riff, you know, banging on that, that note. Yeah. from that um there's a live version of this from the green tour that's my favorite live performance uh that, that they've done as well which like was i watched a lot when i was young yeah uh that has this has like a real huge energy to it um i think that this the lyrics are a little bit too direct uh for some of the uh the the where, where do you um can i where do you uh <laughs> when you find lyrics that you find them here yeah. where do you find them because i'm, I'm looking <laughs> at some so here's the thing in the notes, you say this has a fish motif. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think it does, but I'm looking at a lyrics right here that replace some of the words that make it seem like okay. it does. I'm, I'm looking like, on genius.com. Is, okay. is, is, is does where it I'm say like I, I wish to eat each one of you? Because then it yeah. could be about a fish, but he says meat, and it, he's he's referred to it as meat. It's definitely M E E T. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, he doesn't want to eat all the people who's listening to <laughs> right. Uh, but he's also like menacingly talking about like, oh, if I could, I'd rearrange your scales. Talking about marching to the ocean, marching to the sea. Um, I, at the at the very end, uh, I'm not feeding off of you. Rearrange the scales. Uh, um, uh, let me see here. If I had a hat and sunk it, reached down, yanked it up, and slapped it on my head, like it for like to me, like it it sounds like he's doing like a metaphor around this. I don't know, and and I just kind of ascribe that to the to like a kind of self consciously goofy southernness to it. But I no, I have, I have a completely different different read on this. That's interesting because oh, well. like I don't think the scales are fish scales. I think it's like your your scales of measure. Hmm. You know, I will I will rearrange your like I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck this shit up. Yeah. You know, and the the kind of uh, because this 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 is the one that to me that sounds like a prote- protest song or like a mm-hmm. young anthem like. You know, uh, you know, we are young despite the years. We are concerned. We are hope despite the times. Like this is very like direct. Yeah. To me, as like a no, we you have to, you know, be stronger than this now. You know, happy throngs, take this joy. Like take this. This is him trying to be inspirational. Yeah. You know, the idea of this literally because if he, if he does say if it's about fish and then he <laughs> does say I want to eat each one of you. Yeah. And said address to fish. I think that's very funny. Yeah. Like that would be a very funny take for this, but I, like not like I'm not making fun of you. I'm making fun of the song. Like if it right, were about yeah. that, yeah, yeah. I just I think that's very funny. Yeah, I just um, uh, it, it could very well be a case of uh, a case of bad a bad lyric sheet. Again, last episode I said you need to take them uh, with a grain of salt. Um, yeah. 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 So I don't I, I don't know. Like I just kind of chalked it up to it being a an indistinct metaphor that I couldn't quite see what they were getting at outside of the chorus, which is very direct. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see it. Yeah, I can see it just because if it ends with him saying he wants to eat them, like the idea just of any singer singing a song to <laughs> food that he wants to eat is very funny to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, um, is, it is a vor anthem. <laughs> the uh, it is uh, for me, it is it is very much. This is the like, hey, you have youth power. Rock the vote. Yeah. Uh, of the of the album, which they would get to. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, which was and they eventually become like very direct on. But this even even the chorus of this, which I love melodically and everything, mm-hmm. uh, and the least cynical part of me can get into the idea of like, you know, we are young despite the years we are concerned, you know, things like that. Like that mm-hmm. does feel a little bit anthemic in a way that feels slightly too direct for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, despite the fact that I really love this song. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It well, is. Uh, I, I feel like it is about that kind of connection to to the people listening and wanting to kind of be this leader. Yeah. And yeah. that, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's weird though, because fall on me is entirely addressed to a chicken. So like he's, he's it's, it's, <laughs> he was, he was doing that 30 rock thing where he's trying to make something that weird Al couldn't parody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the, the real like later albums, like he, the band broke up, but a lot of his solo stuff is just addressed to hot pockets and Pringles. So like, <laughs> It is. <laughs> diet gets worse as this means. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I used to eat only garlic and potatoes, but now I've been told that if I eat exclusively hot pockets, I'll I'll live forever. <laughs> well, there's a lot of variety. You have broccoli and cheese, ham and cheese, four cheese yeah. pizza. <laughs> hey, Mike, you're a vegan, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You cannot have these uh, these hot pockets. Get these hot pockets off my stomach. These hot pockets are not for you. These hot pockets are killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, we should talk about following me. Um, I think, I think this is the track that, uh, that hit like 94 on like the AOR charts. Maybe it was, it was one chart that it just like briefly peeked into and then, and and then broke away, but it was their first kind of like their first kind of hint that they would be able to eke something out. This is this. I mean, I feel like this is you know South Central Rain masterpiece level. Yeah, songwriting like this. This is really really phenomenal. And this is um, it's on that live show from Fables, and it'll be on the demo track here. But this got like fixed. Yes. Like this. this there's a a demo version of it um, that has a different vocal melody that works significantly worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just kind of massaged it until it until it happened. And this would be one of the things that like the the producer being like, why would you sing that? Like maybe he fixed this, you yes. know, um, and that would, that's something that you can kind of credit him for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this is, you know, gentle, uh, it could be called middle of the road if it wasn't so fucking melodic. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is too, it's too dynamic to be kind of, kind of a standard REM song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's also overtly, uh, environmental. You know, they're talking about buying the sky, you know, selling the sky. Yeah. You know, there's a read on this in the book that I read where it's about um, acid rain, but it could be about anything, about any kind of exploitation of, you know, the natural world around us. Yeah, I, I kind of see it as uh, kind of generally environmental. Um, like one of the quotes I had in, in my thing was that the the original version of the song um, was about acid rain. Yeah. And then it kind of he broadened it to be about uh, kind of oppression. And one of the things that's really interesting from a production trick is the original version of the song is hidden in this one. Um, there's a counter melody in the second verse that's like very low in the mix and hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Like you will never make out the lyrics. But um, Stipe said like those are the lyrics that are about acid rain. OK. Um, the new stuff that's on top of it is not about that. But it still contains that old song. And y- you can if you don't pay attention, you can miss it, mm-hmm. which is you know kind of weird. But if you listen really hard, there is like entirely different kind of low counter melody that Mike Bills is doing yeah. over the entirety of the second verse. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and Mills really steps up in the chorus as well. Uh, for oh, this. yeah. 
Um, you know, and I, I love this thing that REM does where the chorus is Michael Stipe repeating the same thing over and over while the backup um, kind of adds their own counterpoint with kind of more complex melodies. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's going to be for everything. Oh, that's, that's the end of the world. We know it. That's, yeah, it's the, that's it's, like, every, it's been the case since Wolves Lower. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's an REM trick. Yeah. Um, it's just such a good trick. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, I think this song is, is beautiful and great. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, and just very, very pretty, uh, and, and works phenomenally. Huge highlight for Mike Mills. Um, you know, very, very good yeah. in the, uh, the weird unplugged album, the unplugged set they did, uh, and the reveal tour, the are the MTV unplugged mm-hmm. thing. Michael Stipe said this was his favorite song that they had ever done. Yeah, I could see that. And it's like I could see it. This is like contender for the best REM song. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um. And and again, you 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 put the gold and you, you you bury the gold at three. Yeah, yeah. Three is a three is a good spot for that. Yeah. Um. The album continues though because it's like Cuyahoga is a really good song too. Yeah. It's um, again, <laughs> you you pronounce it like he does. That's not now. That's not how it's said. Uh, no. no well, you're you're a weird Ohio guy because so you know what this is, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, Cuyahoga. Um, okay. He he pronounces it Cuyahoga, which you know if you're looking at it, uh, yeah, I could I, I could see that. Um, I I really like this song. I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. of um, I don't know how much of that is me carrying North Ohio pride into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Cuyahoga. Uh, so the Cuyahoga River runs through um, Cleveland. Uh, famously, that is the river that uh, uh, always catches fire. Um, and mm-hmm. did up through up through the 70s uh it's it's kind of taken as a point of simultaneous shame um and pride so cleveland even people in cleveland will refer to themselves as the uh, the mistake on the lake uh that is often applied to the cleveland browns themselves but hey we're the city that figured out how to lay water on fire yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which they would do is like to clean it you do it to right. burn away the stuff yep. which is you know interesting yeah um and uh, that, that ends up end up being a lyric in this as well yeah so. uh there's a, there's a delicious beer the one of the taste, tastiest beers from great lakes brewing is called burning river like it's a it's a thing more uh, yeah. up around where i'm from yeah this thing that michael stipes just saw as an environmental tragedy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you swamp people have decided to make a badge of honor right swamp like, well, people <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like we're lake folk come on <laughs> yeah. um, I, th- I think that this uh, this is a, a really good and very pretty song where the some of the lyrics are too direct for me again mm-hmm. like they're still good like i can again if i tap into the least cynical part of me yeah a song that literally says like let's put our heads together and start a new country up mm-hmm. which it just sounds it's like I don't know. It's like political Raffi. Uh, almost <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I still dig it. It's just, it's so direct, Yeah, you know, and that's, and that's what we're going to be working with here for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there are touches of that, you know, where uh, he doesn't get away from that, but this is a real sea change uh, in, in stipeness. So like we had our biography album lyrically and now like we'll get little touches, but for the most part, it's just going to be like, Hey, this is, here's a direct lyric. And, and yeah. it's intentional when you read him talking about it, he's like, I need to do this because part of my responsibility of being this kind of spokesman is also, you know, not obfus- obfuscating my message, like mm-hmm. getting people to get it. Yeah. You know, uh, that just, just, it's, it's not a bad move or a aesthetically incorrect move. It's just one that doesn't match up with my sensibilities quite as much. Right. Um, and so it sucks that that is what the, what the song opens up with. I could see, let's put our, put our head together, starting to country up. There's no good place to put that, but like as a stinger on a chorus or something like that would probably work. Everything else around this, I feel like ta- oh, great. You know, ta- talking about the water and the river. It is just the fact that that again, political raffia is a very good way to put that is so out front in it that I think, 
you know, this makes this song not Cuyahoga because that chorus doesn't come in well into the until well into the song. Um, yeah. You know, like this makes the heads together new country song. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 But like, and, and just the, the simplicity, like the directness works sometimes. So like the chorus where he just says like Cuyahoga gone. Yeah. You know, like that, like that's such a good, like direct way to deal with an environmental mm-hmm thing take a picture take a souvenir Cuyahoga. Yeah. Like, like that's all we're gonna have left is memories of is memories of this thing i love the uh i, I love the the notion of like skinning uh knee skinning the river red yeah it's like we're hurt like we, we're, we're hurting ourselves there is violence that we're doing to ourselves that is also you know completely fucking up the landscape like this yeah you know yeah. Um, like like so so musically uh this is a fantastic uh very pleasant melodic song uh, you know again kind of follow, following up uh similar in tone or a twin a little bit to fall uh, fall on me uh except it's a little bit more meandery i think what really steps out in this is the bass i think that yeah. there's so much awesome stuff happening in the bass with this that like <laughs> it's it's easy to miss it but like that that is where the true genius in this is 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 at well and and when you get to it does take a while for that chorus to pop up, but when it does, it is such a big harmonic soaring triumph kind of thing. Yeah. You know, um, and just something that like is a name. So it has the effect of just kind of turning into just syllables, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the chorus. So you can really hit all of those individual notes um, and kind of really appreciate the musicality of the, the vocals. Yeah. You know, without it being, you know, having a lot of kind of percussive word breaks mm-hmm. uh, kind of in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it is a uh, super good song. So again, we're we're strong, super strong start. <laughs> um, Hyena is a little bit not as great to me. I don't I, I don't mind this, but I don't think it's wonderful. I don't mind it, but I don't get it. <laughs> so it's cool to have a little pickup in energy. So we have this breathless opening. We have this kind of soft middle right mm-hmm. with uh, with follow me and Cuyahoga. Um, this, so you remember last episode, we talked about them leaving this off of fables of the reconstruction because it was a little bit too fast for that here. They took it and they sped it up. Yeah. Um, the actual music part of this is not that big of a problem for me. Um, just because like, Hey, it's a, you know, really fast kind of punky alt, alt rock song. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the lyrics are doing here whatsoever. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really know either. And it, it's, it's not, um, hitting any heights. I, I feel like in, in either respect that it could. Um, and by that, I mean, like, I don't know what the lyrics are doing, but they're not evocative and great or anything either. Like, it's not like they're abstract, so they don't have that kind of meaning. They're also not just cool turns of phrases. Yeah. You know, um, and when you do kind of get the meaning, it's real life's rich pageant over directness. You know, it's yeah. like the only thing to fear is fearlessness. The bigger the weapon, the greater the fear. Like, mm-hmm. You know, um, and this is, you know, high, one of the things when I was young, I couldn't really understand the, the lyrics. Um, it's a, you know, it says hyena, hyena is the ambassador to here. I, for some reason I heard is, is saying hyena is the ambassador to Guam when I was young. <laughs> and I was just like, that's a very uh, prestigious post. However, yeah, we don't need to have an yeah, ambassador like Guam is ours for a dog creature. Like, <laughs> good job for a dog creature. Good for him. Yeah, uh, good for that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, although Guam is ours, so we don't have an ambassador so much as we just have like maybe a guy who goes there to make sure the country's not on fire. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which we can probably entrust like a some kind of sentient dog to do that. 
Um, kind of we can engineer some kind of talking dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ambassador, the talking dog. Um, yeah. Ambassador yeah, would, be I, a good, would be a good name for a dog. You would you just always say, uh, with respect, Ambassador. That's a great name for a dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like this is kind of, you know, I appreciate how fast it is. It doesn't sound asleep, but it is kind of middle of the road. Yeah. Like middling. Um, Underneath the bunker, which is the surprise novelty song that they ended the first side with it. Yeah. Uh, I also don't know what to think about this. Like, I think it is kind of like, again, good on a vacuum, but the goofs are just coming too fast and furious on this record for me. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So let, let's talk about this. This is less than a minute, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if it's not less than a minute, it's less than two. Uh, it's very slight. Um, the origin story for this. So Bill Berry went and ate some Greek food and he thought, Hey, we could, we should probably do something like Mediterranean like this. So he, along with Mike Mills kind of composed this flamenco style thing and recorded it. Uh, we're going to see that a little bit in some of the demos and outtakes, like the rhythm section of the band, the playing section would just do these little genre style dalliances. They, Mm. they recorded this, had a lot of fun with it. Um, added the lyrics, added Stipe's uh, vocals through a megaphone and said, well, we need to lighten this up a little bit. So let's pop it at the end of the first of the, of the first half of the first side. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so slight. It's hard to get like that mad at it, you know? <laughs> right. um, it's just like, again, it, it feels like studio fuck aroundery. Yeah. You know, like the, the th- stuff in that, that they do that is, you know, those kind of things on this album feel like B-sides to me. Yeah. Like this would be such a fun B-side. Yep. You know, and it's not like I, I want it to be all all serious all the time or anything like that. I just feel like, especially when we get to the B-sides, like uh, theme from Two Steps Onward and Bad Day are both B-sides, like outtakes of this album. And those are both great songs yeah. uh, that I would love to have had on this record, mm-hmm. you know, and and I would have replaced either some of these novelty hits or like four songs on the second side. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe not four, but like the second that we're going to I think this gets pretty weak um, as we're going. Yeah, but like as as. Again, a, a relic of this presentation, this would have been like the bonus track of yeah. the first side, right? Yeah. But instead, and, it's stuck between Hyena, which is ostensibly a song about nuclear war, or it could be read like that, and Flowers of Guatemala, which is about oppression and, you know. In South America, it's the yeah. second of the oppression suite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, if I think of it as a hidden track, it also makes me feel better about it, too. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's just this little like minute long thing that comes in the middle. Yeah. You know, right at the end of the, the album. I like the production on it. I really enjoy the like the, the, the loudspeaker approach to the vocals. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, me- megaphone. And he uh, he does that stuff live during the green tour. Uh-huh. And it's awesome. Like yeah. uh, it shows up in uh, like I'll turn you inside out. Nice. And things. And it's really cool. Like uh, I love the the sound of uh, loudspeakers. I had um one of my friends found me an old and it it worked for le- not enough time to record a song with it. So like he found me a piece of electronics that had like one like 20 seconds of life left in it. Um, and it was a, a fighter pilot throat mic. Oh shit. And I was like, Oh man, I'm going to do something cool with this. And it worked for like two seconds. Oh no. Um, but it was, it was so cool. And like, I've always kind of kept a, when I go thrifting, I keep an eye out for, for weird old microphones. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I like that sound a lot. Yeah. Um, that kind of broken distorted. I mean, it's like, and then like the strokes would go on to do that with a lot of stuff to you, like kind of yeah. have this like weird story effect on the vocals, but people, people accused Michael Stipe of just ripping this technique off from people in Athens. Like there, there were other more genuine artists who did this before him and he just kind of parroted it. Mm. Who knows how, you know, 
how much no, that yeah. should be looked at. Yeah. You don't have a copyright on megaphone. <laughs> you know? uh, Mr. Show, what are you doing? Why are you stealing yeah, this, this material? Yeah, yeah, this is the original monster <laughs> megaphone crooning. Um, Supper Side uh, begins with the Flowers of Guatemala, yeah. um, which is a, a very pretty song uh, that I think is will blow over if you look at it too hard. <laughs> it's such a you soft know? boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it it is it is really, really slight. Like I like this song. It's very uh-huh. pretty. Yeah. Um, there's just not a lot to it. Um Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's um uh, I, I enjoy the the imagery. I love like uh the, the, the chorus, uh Amanita is the name, the flowers cover everything, like talking about just this entire region uh could be, you know, incredibly incredibly beautiful. However, Amanita is a style of or it it is a species of incredibly poisonous fungus that is native to the region. So talking about like, yeah, there's just there there's terrible stuff covering the countryside down here because of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it is, uh, you know, the, they, the band themselves are really into the song. You know, there's just, like anecdotes of them, like looking out in the crowd and everyone's crying. You know, openly, openly weeping. Re- yes. Oh, yeah. I saw I had that quote too in, in my thing. And it's like, you know, okay. You know, like I get it. Like it is a very pretty song, yeah. you know, and I, and I like it. It's good. It's yeah. just like, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where I think earlier REM, they would do something like this, where it was this slight, but there'd be like maybe more parts Mm. to the song or it'd be a little bit more complicated melodically if it was going to have this kind of soft tone yeah to it that maybe would give it a little bit more of a spine you know yeah i forget if it was this or if it was green grow the rushes um where uh the book i was reading had a had an anecdote where michael stepp was kind of bemoaning that nobody nobody knew what the, what they were about it had to have been green grow the rushes because this is pretty, yeah. pretty direct um but then like he talked about somebody coming up after a show and saying that's the best song about foreign policy i've ever i've ever heard and michael stipe just like hugged him and said oh my yeah. gosh that's the best like you know just this incredible mode of vindication that somebody got it like you got it yeah <laughs> yep, yeah yeah uh this has a straight up just guitar solo yeah, like, like that's a, a really weird. I forgot about it because I when I when I listen to this album, I uh, it's it's usually just the first half. I listened to it and I was like, I did a double take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's very rare. Yeah, um, it will become more common as the band goes on. Yeah. And there, are, this isn't the first one, but yeah. it is. It is very super rare. Yeah. Um. It yo, it's fine. It's a good song. Yeah. Um. I believe is what uh, throw those trolls away eventually became uh, eventually in kind of a weird way. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I'm not super into, I believe. Neither um, am I. Yeah. Um, I think the, the lyrics are a little bit, the lyrics are worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just, uh, it's a little too, again, a little too middle of the road. A little bit too, uh, like the lyrics are just so declarative. Like it's yeah. there in the title, but it's like, um, I believe my shirt is wearing thin, or I believe, uh, I my believe in coyotes and time as an abstract. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of like I statements in, in music, especially if they are used in an abstract kind of sense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you see that in a lot of the bands that we've talked about, like on Try This. Uh, here it doesn't work for me at all because it's just, the, the, there's no flow to it. <laughs> yeah, there's, just... there's there's no uh, sophistication to it. Yeah, you know, like um, some and they're, eventually they'll be kind of like the, uh, you know, and it, it feels very uh, like direct and kind of like even when it's indirect, it's direct. So like you run into things like um, like the part where it's like practice, practice makes perfect, perfect is a fault, and fault lines change. Like that was laser designed to be 
feel meaningful and deep to me when I was like very young. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then now that I'm older, I'm just kind of like, ah, you know, all right. You know, like it feels a little <laughs> wordplay 101. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, um, you know, and then just kind of musically, I just don't think this is all that special. Right. You know, like the, the chorus, like the kind of, I believe part is kind of, kind of nice, but mm-hmm. it's not, uh, it's, it's hard for me to get excited about this. Yeah. Um, they have taken an accordion and put it in a, uh, like a pill and a little bit of cheese. Um, and <laughs> somehow, <Yes. laughs> somehow made it palatable, uh, which is, uh, which is fine. It doesn't come to the fore, but it's definitely there. Uh, and it's, uh, it, like it is uh, something to grab onto. It's a little bit of much needed texture for this. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas uh, as opposed otherwise it'd be like, what would even be there? <laughs> and then, um, I think, uh, what if we give it away is this is my least favorite song on the album. Oh God. Um, by, a by couple, and large. Yeah. I think this is a really bad song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is really boring and direct and shitty and like just really really bland. Um, can I take us back one before we get because I want I, oh, yeah. I, I want to take to tear to tear into it. We didn't talk about how I believe opens up with sixteen seconds of banjo hoedown boogie. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's true. Which is which is uh, you know he's trying to play. It's cute hearing them talk about it. Where like Peter Buck is saying um, you know like oh I thought I'd play banjo and you know. I really learned it. And honestly, that's the only thing I ever learned how to do was the beginning of that song, you know? Yeah. And, and he, he, he uh, didn't and, know he was being recorded for that though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is cute. I love it when studio, when musicians do that kind of thing. And we, we've never really touched on them, but like there are those little like instrumental breaks between songs on the first couple albums Yeah, uh, that we didn't, you know, I don't think we really spent very much time on, but that is a thing that they do is they'll put these kind of things. This one just happens to be part of the track. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, what if we did give it away? Oh, what would that man. be like? Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is. I don't know what they are doing here. <laughs> yeah, it, there, it's it's really really direct. Yeah, like, like is it a song about like universal guaranteed income? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, there's not there's not enough lyrics for it to be that, but that's what the theming feels like it's about. Yeah. Um, I just I just think the music is really boring in the song. Yeah, and so like. Uh, the, uh, leading into or supporting the idea that there was just not enough new stuff written for this. Like this is a, a revived song from the chronic town days. Like this, is yeah. this used to be called get on their way. Um, they, you know, they, they, they picked it up, dusted it off and then just like, here you go. Let's put this on the last half of the album. And this is kind of like this one, two punch between, I believe and what, what do we give, give it away? It's hard for them to come back from this. Like, well, I it's, think that, it's yeah, good. Yeah. It's, it's those two. And then I feel like like flowers of Guatemala is good. Um, just a touch is kind of at least like has energy, mm-hmm. but they're not, those are also like B level songs Yeah, at the best. Like there are no, there's nothing that rises above like B minus or B on the second half for me. Okay. Like I like Swan Swan H. Yep. Um, that's an interesting song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still, it still feels a little like stunt music mm. to me. And then they didn't write Superman. Right. You know, which is a good song. Like it's a, it's a cool thing, but this whole back half, it just feels underwritten mm-hmm. and we're not the choices I would have made. Yeah. It just feels uh, like a little bit uh, like, uh, man, poorly considered. Yeah. 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 Which is weird because this was them being like, we're going to make an arena rock album. That's going <laughs> to like do it, you know? And the first album sounds exactly like that. Or the first uh, side. Yeah. is like, fuck. Yeah, you are, you know, like, you know, this is, this is going to be like you guys is, you know, uh, uh, Joshua tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Sorry to keep making these YouTube comparisons. It's the production, I swear. But like, they, you know, it's it's a uh, this is going to be that for you. And then I just think the second side just like really falls down. Yeah. Um. You know, it never get. I think this is the worst one. But like, it doesn't. You know, when you say that, like, I believe, and what if we give it away? 
they never really come back from that. It's not like the songs right before that are super standout either right. or right after it. You know, I, I guess it's just my point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, like this is just an incredibly sparse thing. The, uh, the guitar is pretty spaced out. Um, Mike Mills, you know, is, is carrying it again as the workhorse of the band, but it can't, it can't save it. It can't carry, it cannot carry the song through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, transition to just the touch, which is another like old song. This is a pre chronic town mm-hmm. song that there are live versions of. We talked about, you know, back in the first episode. Yeah. From their, this. from their like dance, you know, dance rock numbers. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is something where it doesn't have that kind of like goofy charm to it. Mm-hmm. Like the guitar in the beginning of this, I think is really kind of embarrassing. <laughs> you know, like it is, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, and it's it's got this contrast going right because it's a it's a hybrid song it's got this fast shouty punk kind of sound it's very uh up tempo michael stipe isn't so much singing as he is just getting the words out but then during the choruses you get this piano that comes in and does these slick little runs that makes it mm-hmm. sound like a like a like a power pop song yeah <laughs> yeah it's really weird it's a real interesting kind of contrast with the the production and songwriting yeah you know um, the course of the, the course of this, I like a little bit more than I like the verses of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the very least as far as kind of being catchy and like, I've seen live performances of this that are, you know, kind of seem like they, you know, take the roof off. Yeah. Like I can see that, right. Like this being really fun to see live, which is something we said about a lot of the living room dance band, mm-hmm. REM stuff. Yep. And their contemporaries. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, again, it still feels pretty slight yep. to me. Um, ends with a uh, with an homage to Patti Smith. Says, uh, "I'm young. I'm so goddamn young." That's what she shouted on a couple of songs, but no, but most notably on her cover of uh, "My Generation" by the Who. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, um, this moves into uh, Swan Swan H. Yes, aka Swan Swan Hummingbird. Yeah, which makes more sense and is more natural to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is like a it's a Civil War murder ballad kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was the story behind how this was written is kind of interesting. Um, they had a uh, van breakdown in Wyoming, and we're yeah in Wyoming, and we're like stuck in a van for nine hours, and <laughs> they had tons of beer because these guys like you get the sense these guys are like DUI crazy, <laughs> like these guys drink all the time. Yeah, you know whether whether no matter who's driving, no matter where they're at, uh, at this time there's a drunk period, and uh, so they were just like we're gonna set out in this hot van and get drunk and write some songs, and they wrote this one near the beginning, mm-hmm. so they remembered it. Everything else they wrote they forgot because of booze. Right. So they remembered uh, Swan Swan H. And they wrote this in like 20 minutes, and it was the only thing that uh, came out of that uh, weird little yeah. van session that they did. Yeah, their the van, only thing that lasted. Their van jam. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, um, like I like this song. I was hard on it a second ago. Like I don't I don't love it. It does it does feel a little stunty to me because it is like a genre song. Yeah, I guess. They're, they're really leaning into a stereotypical interpretation um, of, uh, you know, of a kind of music. And also the lyrics in this are just straight up about the Civil War. Like the the, the chorus begins with a reference to Johnny Reb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the lyric of this, the what noisy cats are we became a T-shirt slogan yep. uh, for them during this tour, um, which I've always liked. That's a good, um, that's I have a good a, phrase. Yeah, it's a great it's a great phrase. Like the lyrics of this are good, like for being a uh, and that like, you know, the the chorus part of it, the like cup of wine with the whiskey is, you know, with the whiskey is water and the water is wine. Like mm-hmm. part of this is really good. Yeah. Um, the uh, when I was in high school. There was this kid I used to know uh, named uh, Micah Bunagle, and he was a, a homeschooled kid, had Spock eyebrows. OK. Uh, and, you know, it, it was he was like a study hall buddy. Um, he's the person he's. 
so we you know super super religious super super homeschooled and like kind of a weird kid um and i remember like in in study hall like i would you know just write lyrics down not my own lyrics but like you know recite lyrics essentially yeah jot them down from my head and uh we we did that and uh like we were passing notes back and forth and he was like uh, you know write something down and i wrote down the lyrics to this and he was like i don't really get it here's a song i i really like and he wrote down the lyrics for uh uh ccr's fortunate son i think okay was like his answer to this and it was kind of weird like made huh. sense in retrospect but at the time i was just like yeah <laughs> and then i also went over to his house once and he and he i was like you know i was in the comics at the time and the only comics he had were wizard of id collections <laughs> like no joke like and he loaned me a bunch of wizard of id like little tiny books <laughs> like wait, wait so is is wizard of id the the one that's weirdly regressed over am i thinking of bc you're th- i think you're thinking of bc wizard of id is like it's the same kind of drawing or like the, the, um, where those two bums, like the, the two homeless guy comics, I can't remember the Frank and Otis or whatever. Um, but it's them. And like the, the, the comics are essentially like, sir, the president, the peasants are revolting. And then him being like, yeah, they don't smell good either. Like that's pretty much the extent of the wizard of id. (laughs) Okay. Um, Uh, it is like a medieval, like that kind of humor, but he had like all the collections of wizard of id because his parents controlled what kind of media he could like, because right. Religion and homeschool. You know, huh. so the, uh, but yeah, that is just like, that's my very strong swan, swan, hummingbird memory is like <laughs> reciting this from, from memory and then like passing it to a dude and him being like, no, I don't get it. <laughs> hey, here's, CCR, here's, here's a cool, it. here's a cool song about war. Well, here's my song about war. You probably, you probably associate it with helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> and establishing shots of Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm a sucker for this. Uh, like uh, th- there was definitely a, a, a time when this kind of like super serious presentation of something really uh, spoke to me. Like this mm. is entirely straight face. There's almost no air in this because of how grim it is. And so I hear it and I think of like the way I was back then. Um, and it's hard to, it's hard to separate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I wrote it down in a, in the thing. So like it was, uh, it was definitely, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. Like I like this, this song quite a bit, but it does have that genre thing to it. You know, that is, it would be a fantastic album closer. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be a phenomenal album closer. Um, and like, you know, so we move into Superman, um, which is a cover. It's their first cover that ends up on an album. Right. Um, it won't be the last. And, uh, yeah, Superman is a good song. Yeah. Like this is a good fun pop song and it's Mike Mills first lead vocal. So that is uh, that's that's huge. It is just it's so just like such just a pop song. Yep, it's a it's it's straight up bubblegum is what it yeah. is is what it is. Yeah, this is a bubblegum pop song that ends up uh, as the album closer for their like the, we're going to make it. This is our arena rock album. Mm-hmm. You know, there is again, there's like the tracking is just kind of weird, misguided in this record, yeah. I think. Yeah, Um um, it's so weird because I would expect Michael, uh, or Mike Mills rather singing lead to, uh, kind of be a little bit further forward in the mix. I don't know if he's <laughs> doubled in a way that he usually is when he sings back up, but like, it's <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, either his voice or just the way it's presented makes this sound like an extended REM chorus. Like, like, yeah. they, like, they, like yeah. they just muted Michael Stipe's track and here is what's behind it. I think, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, yeah. It definitely that's just kind of how he song like sings like he's not a a wonderful lead vocalist no like he's a, a really talented vocal vocalist but his voice doesn't have quite enough like grit you know or kind of uh to to carry like a a solo 
vocal. And we'll run into this like every every song that he he does lead on, mm-hmm. kind of from here on out. Even though I end up loving those songs, but oh, they, yeah. a whole album of that might get a little too waifish. I yeah. think it's hard to compare anybody being too waifish for Michael Stipe, you know. But like Michael <laughs> Stipe, the band, like, he has, they found each he's got, other. Yeah, he's got he's got a voice that like is very like you know has has some grit and character to it. Yeah. You know, whereas Michael Stipe is, or Mike Mills is the perfect backing, backing vocalist. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it's really, really cute. It's like cute and fun. It's just like, it's light. Yeah. You know, light, light, light. <laughs> but I, but, but I do enjoy the song. Uh, yeah, a lot. That's yeah, really just, good. I don't know yeah. if it fits here, but um, but I, you know, I will at least die on the hill that this is cool. I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that people got to hear it, and I, I like it when our boy, when our when our dork, when our dork boy makes good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Um, there are a host of outtakes for this. Holy shit, so many. Um, they yeah, they did tons. Of, they recorded tons of material, which is part of again the Monday morning quarterbacking, but part of what makes that sequencing so frustrating. Yeah. Um, to me, so let's talk about B sides and outtakes. Yes. Uh, tired of singing trouble this is very strange um it's uh stipe belting out in front of just a bass and a very simple snare beat mm-hmm. it's um i think that it is probably they were just in the studio goofing around yeah and it just happened to get recorded yeah um it sounds like a, a cover to me it does you know, like or it <laughs> seems like it should be but it's not like this should be an old like appalachian blues song or something yeah it's like a wailing woe is me kind of song uh is how yeah. it comes across yeah. Um, Rotary 10, uh, which is a B-side. This is a jazz instrumental um, that, <laughs> again, it, this feels like stunt music to me. Like it feels like 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 if you take to a musician and be like, hey, try this genre. Yeah. And then they do they do it. Give, you me, know? Some, give me some jazz. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah exactly. this. <laughs> I've got this in quotes here, but it's like, why not, why not let the rhythm section do something? And this is what yeah. they come up with. Like it, it, it like this sounds like something that uh, that Mike Mills and. Bill Berry would just kind of lay down as they were goofing off and warming up. And then like Peter mm. Buck would come in and say, I know some seventh chords. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's fine. I think that Peter Buck, this uh, ended up on dead letter office and he's like, this is a soundtrack for a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> and that's a good, a good way to put it. Cause like, <laughs> that's what it sounds like yeah. to me. Um, <laughs> at this time they were like, they're covering live, uh, the song toys in the attic by Aerosmith and they recorded a studio version for B side. Yeah. Um, um, which is not an Aerosmith song I knew. Like, do you know this song? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know the song. It was a, a title track on that album, and I think that there was another song that came off of it. There was a time when I listened to some Aerosmith. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, I just, I don't know. Like, did you go through this phase when you were uh, like late high school, early college, where it's like I'm going to try on just some cla- like some classic rock and see? Uh, I did, but I I went. Um, I did, but it was like Boston. Yeah, I did. I did a lot of Boston, uh, like, and some of this was aided by uh, by uh, Guitar Hero at the time and Rock mm-hmm. Band and stuff. But like, ended up with Boston and Neil Young and Crazy Horse. But like, you know, to get there, you have to venture through the uh, the Aerosmith Badlands. So, Toys in the Attic yeah. is definitely a song of theirs. I think it was a uh, a single. Uh, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> uh, not yeah. as an REM song. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not the worst Aerosmith song. No. Like Aerosmith is going to get really embarrassing, mm. uh, but this, this is, um, you know, this just sounds like kind of a '70s rock song. Yeah, um, I think that the the pre-chorus to this sounds really good, even the REM. I think the verses and chorus are stupid. Um, I think this, the chorus is awful. Yeah. Toys, like it's, just, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Do, do not like that. Uh, so we say what you will about uh, say what you will about Aerosmith, and we've said a lot of we, we we've talked a lot of shit. They do know how to build up to a chorus. Like the, those, yeah. those pre-chorus bridges do get you hyped, uh, hyped to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a it's like a reverse Boston, <laughs> the um like a Newark. Yeah, I don't actually know that. Be true. <laughs> in I just, Austin, I it's like, in Austin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like that's a you know, uh, you got to be catty about places in New, in New Jersey. Um, so uh, they uh, there's a studio they included in the B side uh, Dream uh, the Everly covers cover uh, or song uh, Dream All I Have to Do. Um, this was recorded at that Athens Inside Out hmm. thing. Um, so that's I, where it became, but it also was a B side. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a pretty pretty strict cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. The Everly Brothers did it pretty well. It's kind of weird that this exists. It feels a little bit extraneous, but for a bio, you know, it, it works for a band that leans so much on vocal harmonies. You know, like yeah, it's nice and pleasant. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fine. It's cute. Yeah. Um, Fatale, the uh, Velvet Underground song, uh, they do. Um, so Femme Fatale is a very like uh, falsetto because it's a Nico yeah song. Um, initially, kind of led uh plotting velvet underground number mm-hmm. you know yeah um i dig it i like the velvet underground and you can tell that they're fans <laughs> yeah by how they approach this uh white tornado which we talked about before but that shows up in a studio version i hear this is their surf rock song yeah. the theming here when you're looking at all these outtakes and you're looking at the album look at just how many songs are not only are they like crock town songs but how many are covers too yeah you know, there is this kind of evidence of just like, guys, like <laughs> you're in a rut. You know, th- Stop. <laughs> yeah. Like th- this is not what you guys do. Like generally you guys make like a two minute, you know, they had enough stuff for fables to do a double album, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, some of that stuff ended up even on this. So there is like just a real sense of a breathness of new stuff. Yeah. So many covers and old songs. Yeah. Um, theme from two steps onward. Um, mm-hmm. This feels very much like a fables song to me. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's it's it leads with the bass. It's very dark. Um, it opens up in the chorus. Why is it called theme from stu- from two steps onward? I I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably you know I haven't really spent any time with the lyrics of this. Yeah. Um, I'm that's my guess is that it is you know two steps onward feels is is probably appropriate for yeah. it. Um, I like the song a lot. I think yeah. that if it if it had gotten um a little bit of you know development if they had like made it into a studio track mm-hmm. like it could use another part. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of the, the transition from the, that verse, like that kind of two note weird bass chord verse thing, which I like a lot yeah. to the chorus, which I like a lot. The transition is not quite there. No. Um, this would have been really cool though, if they had put it in the oven and, and made another part, but <laughs> yeah. this is, this is just an outtake. This isn't even a, a B side or anything. So yeah. there's never been really a released version of this. Hmm. Um, which, uh, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's released on this thing as this outtake, but it's never been on an official release, I guess. Right. It's never been a B-side or anything. Yeah. I would have liked uh, to have seen that slaughtered in instead of what if we gave it away? You know, pretty totally. much anything. Give me Rotary 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, then, then it would be really like, this is the novelty album. Like, <laughs> yep, yeah. You know, you start putting that in there. Like, the wind out, Rotary 10. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it's just exclusively uh, just genre exercises. Yeah. Um, but I think this is, I think this is a strong song that feels like really developed for an outtake. Um, which I would have liked to have seen. Yeah. Um, um, mystery to me. Um, this has to have been a holdout for reckoning is what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or earlier even. Yeah. Like this has that. Cause this is, um, I'm, I did some review, but there's a lot of these B sides. Is this the one that's like people in cars, yep. people that live in like, <laughs> yeah. that, I, I think that that might, this might be earlier than that even. Yeah. 
Um, so again, just kind of like pulling from their old stock stock. Um, this is real slight. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, this isn't a bad song, but it is, uh, you there's know, again, the, needs more time in the oven. There's not, there's not enough there for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same with weight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this was a mistake. Wait. wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Weight is, uh, again, kind of cute. It's like a sixties kind of buddy Holly thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, which kind of sounds like a, just like a, you know, like a, a rock song from that era. Like yeah. it's clear that the dudes are having fun. Yeah, and like I, doing this I, stuff. I like maybe, this is like Ariana with too much fun. Like we need <laughs> like we could go back in time and make a snowstorm hit Bloomington at that time or something, and give these guys just a taste of misery to like get them to to, to sadden up just a tad, you know? <laughs> just just give it to them, just a touch. Um, and then uh, Bad Day, they recorded a, a studio version and, and we're playing this live at this point. This was when they released um, their big best of, yes. like their, their like actual best of. This was the single from it. They re-recorded this, did a video, a video that's really fun, actually. If, yeah. if uh, when we get to that, that's a good video. Yeah, I like that um, video a lot. I like this song, I, too. I like this song an awful lot. Yeah. Like this is, I think this is a really good song and is, you know, I'm not going to say like since the there are so many high highs on Life's Worth Pageant, but uh-huh. like it would be on on the album, it would be the fourth best song you know, fourth or fifth best song on the album. Like it would be yeah. a good song to replace some of the, the craft. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, um, I love the, like the pre-chorus and the fact that they yeah. do it without actually leading to it, but the, like the dun, 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 Yeah. Like, like, yeah. That, like, like that particular, like patter part of it, um, works incredibly well. Um, I mean like this, this is, this is a prototype for, um, uh, end of the world as we know it, like yeah. from, from the opening to like the frenetic kind of motor mouth kind of approach to this, uh, the chorus with, uh, Mills singing something different in the background. Like this is a, a, a rough sketch of what, of what that would eventually become. Yeah. And, and I love that song too. Like I, I'm not, I don't wonder about this at the expense of, you know, yeah. it's the end of the world as we know it. I just think you could, you could do both. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that, uh, they, they are very similar, but they are different enough to where I wouldn't like storm town hall if they were both on records. <laughs> right. You know, um, yeah, it's, a. I would have really liked to have seen this on the album. There's a couple other ones that aren't, uh, in the notes, mm-hmm. um, not, not a whole lot, but they're kind of worth just bringing up briefly. Um, they recorded a studio version of all the right friends. Yep. Um, that Airman song or Luckman song. Um, but that, you know, again, another old one, uh, they didn't quite do it, uh, put it on the album, but they did the, uh, record it. The other thing too, is there's a song called, um, is it March song, which oh, is, yeah. uh, I'm K- sorry. King of I, Birds. I, there were so many out, uh, outtakes on this or, uh, B sides. I think I, I, I dropped the whole section of your notes. I've listened to it. That March song is really weird. Well, it's King of Birds. Oh, it's from, it's document. Like okay. not yet young. There's time to oh, teach yeah. point, point okay. observation. Like it's the re- weird round. Yeah. From, uh, document. Um, so it's cool to see some document stuff show up on here because I yeah. think that that album has really weird kind of production and weird songs on it. So it's uh-huh. kind of neat to see or hear one in an early version. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't draw that connection. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it is. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's the same music. Like it's okay. like a karaoke version of that. Um, and then there are kind of demo versions of some of the other stuff that showed up that are not that revelatory. No, you know, so this is where you can hear get on their way. This is where you can hear, uh, you know, the, these old versions yeah. of stuff. You can hear the fall on me with the entirety, uh, of the, the vocal melody, the old vocal melody, which is interesting as a completist, but it, the album version is much better. Yeah. It'll show you like, it's a, it's a good case for, uh, you know, production, uh, being, yeah. a, being a good friend or, you know, time in the studio or time with a, with a good producer on top well, of and, this. Yeah. 
and he and he just kind of like road tested it. Yep. So like they, there's anecdotes where it talks about him coming out on stage, even during Reckoning, they would play that song or not Reckoning, uh, Fables of the Reconstruction Tour and was like trying out new lyrics and new vocal melodies like every night. Yeah. You know, just kind of road testing the material mm. um, and ended up ultimately kind of sculpting that into a masterpiece. So like it worked out. Um, but the early version is fun for me because I do a podcast about R.E.M. and yeah. I like R.E.M. a lot. Um, <laughs> so like in, in the end, like it is it is hard to like this album as a thing. Like, I think this is the first one that we've done so far. Um, I think that uh, you had said, said the opposite of this about Fables, how it like it kind of is a cohesive piece you listen to all together. Uh-huh. Um, this is something I'm very comfortable running a skimmer over and taking my favorite songs and bringing them with me and kind of not listening to the album front to back. Yeah. And it might be the first one where that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, like there would be a couple songs I'd want to skip on every record so far, but this is the one where the proportions are almost different. Like I want to take the five <laughs> songs from this. I love not like I want to omit the two songs. I don't. It, it tells you know? an unflattering story where the album quite literally runs out of steam a little bit after the halfway mark. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't look good and it, it, and it harms the entire thing as a product that said, like the highs on this are so fucking high. Yeah. You, you'd never get rid of this, this record. Yeah. You know, um, it is, uh, it's, it's got, it's incredible. You know, it's got like such like the opening, the first side of it is so, so good. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it is so it's important to them. You know, it, it was a, important to them, not just because I care about them and want them to do well, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we wouldn't have the later records that I love if this record didn't do as well yeah. as it did. But it's like the best songs on this, the best parts of it are, you know, are stand with the best stuff they've ever done. Yeah. You know, like fall on me is as good a song as they've written. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it ties for first uh, with everything. It's just that second, that gooey second half that kind of kills it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I just, I would love to know, like it, there'd be no way to find out about it because people have talked about um, when you talk to the, when you read about the guys in the band, they're just like, yeah, it was great. <laughs> you know, like I would love to have uh, if I was really close friends with these guys and be like, hey, what do you think of this idea? You know, maybe the second <laughs> side of this is a little gooey, like, you know, and then they could be like, no, I disagree. Or they could be like, oh, actually, you know, we wanted to lean it. We didn't want to get away from our folk side. So we put a bunch of mid tempo stuff on the second side. Yeah. To, you to, know? to maintain our credibility. Yeah, like maybe the, maybe there's something to it. Yeah. Um, or it could, I mean, it could just be taste. But for me, like the, this runs out of steam and starts so strong that it kind of, you know, kind of dies on the, the on the album eventually. Yeah. I'd yeah. be curious. I, you, you wouldn't get anything out of the out of the four guys. Uh, Gemin, like if mm-hmm. he actually had a if he had a preferred version of the mix in his mind, because, you know, we we talked about that on Reckoning where like <laughs> Mitch Easter was said, hey, here's the way this should go. And then they went to dinner and came back and said, here you go. Here's this. And, yeah. you know, that album didn't really suffer for it. I'm, I, I'm I'm curious what he with his sensibility would have coaxed them toward if they were at all receptive to it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Um, so uh, kind of highs and lows um, like the the low for me is definitely what if we gave it away. Yeah. Um, I, had, I don't think it gets worse than that. If you had to pick a runner up, cause I would, I would jettison that one under the sun if I could. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, uh, if I had to jettison that one in the sun, it would probably be, uh, I believe. Yep. Me, me uh, too. Okay. So we're yeah, good. I think those are, those are the two worst. Um, just the touch is also near there. Like that's something I don't think is particularly fun to listen to on the album version. Yeah. Uh, while I'd probably like it live. Yeah. Um, so, and then the strongest, um, you know, again, if I'm jettisoning fall on me, which I think is the best song of the album, yeah. um, I would probably do these days. Yeah. 
um uh I, so yeah. so i've got to i've got to give a nod to cuyahoga um but the song that i've listened to the most and the song that i think is my biggest takeaway um outside of follow me is uh begin the begin yeah i feel 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 a little bit dumb for two albums in a row picking the opener <laughs> no no i mean they're they're really they're they're great openers like yeah. it is uh you know they again the closing is always inconsistent but the opening mm-hmm. you know they have a couple different ways they do it and they're generally good at it yeah um yeah. yeah. And, and I just, uh, I just, what, what could have been, you know, like if, uh, if this had had kind of more of those, you know, if they hadn't quite spent so much time shaving off the rough edges and it added a couple of those, those weirdo outtakes. Yeah. You know, would have really liked it. But I, I mentioned this, but one of my favorite things about doing the show is finding those songs. Like I'd never heard a theme from two steps onward. <laughs> Obviously I'd heard bad day cause it became a single, but like mm-hmm. it's a really good song and I've never heard it. <laughs> um, so it's cool to hear new RM songs. Yeah. So uh, the next episode is going to be about Dead Letter Office, nominally, but it uh, more more accurately could be called our listener feedback episode. So if you want to write in, uh, there should still be time. Uh, if you want to uh, do that, go to duckfeed.tv slash contact, or uh, the, there's a contact tab on fileunderwater.net. Either yeah. of those will work. Yeah, we, we will talk about the release of Dead Letter Office. Yeah. And stuff. We'll, well, the biography stuff will still kind of be around, but we just uh, we've already talked about those songs. Yeah. Um, if you like the show, uh, it is a very important specifically for the show uh, not tons of people listen to it. Um, you know, we know you're out there, Jeff, uh, Chris <laughs> and, uh, Sarah who do, um, get, uh, tell people about it, yeah. you know, uh, do what you can write and review it, things like that. Um, you know, we like doing the show. It is very much a vanity project, which we kind of knew going in. Um, but we, it'll be more fun for us and more fun for you. I think if more people listen to the show. Yeah. Um, if you like the show a lot, uh, and you can afford it, we know that times, you know, may not be the best for a lot of people go to, uh, patreon.com, uh, slash duck TV. If you can afford to kick us a couple of bucks a month, that makes a huge difference for us. It allows us to do, uh, kind of these out there projects like this, uh, that are a lot of fun and hopefully, hopefully you enjoy, uh, and you get some cool stuff in return. So go there, take a look at the rewards. Uh, it does help us out an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably that's probably about it. I think so. Um, yeah, we appreciate you listening uh, to the show. And uh, we'll see you guys next time with uh, listener mail and such. Yeah. And uh, it is the end of the podcast as we know it. And we feel fine.